on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Road, Mohawk Valley, represent, what's happening, tell that Rain Man, stick to K-Rock, you tell that Rain Man, the Axe Man's out to get him. Oh, what else can you listen to the show? You can do the app thing. You can download the ESPN app. There's a listen tab, and then you uh, take us with you wherever you go, except the bathroom. That's kind of gross. You can get in touch with this program. Yes, you can have your voice heard. I, I want to hear from you today. I see the phone's already ringing. I know people are, are ready to go. And when Syracuse is at certain points, when they lose a game like they did last night and things aren't looking good and they're down to seven scholarship players, our pets' heads are falling off. People tend to get a little loopy, so I'm very curious how things are going to go today. As a matter of fact, I see my man Dro and Clay is ready to go. Dro has taken a break from taking care of his 18 kids to give us a hot take on the orange. I could tell it was going to be that kind of day. That's hot, and I'm good with that. I'm good. That's what I'm here for. This is what we do. The schmucks unite today. So. 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Dax Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. We will have plenty of Syracuse basketball discussion on last night going ahead. Uh, something that a national writer tweeted today that he said was a hot take but wasn't really a hot take. And it really brings to mind something I'm, I'm going to discuss here on the program today and something I wrote about on Syracuse.com today that we're kind of at a, I'll just say a decision point on Syracuse. And your decision is next month or next year. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Hot takes to come. We'll discuss some Super Bowl. As far as I know, everybody was well-behaved on Radio Row today, as well-behaved as you can be on Radio Row today. We're getting closer to the big game. Tomorrow we will preview it in depth. You can hear the uh, Super Bowl right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. So, We'll get into that a little bit as well. Now, I don't do this often, but if Drow and Clay is here promptly, he is here ready to go. He has been chomping at the bit. He needs to get this off his chest. There's a very short list of people that I will interrupt this monologue for to get on the airwaves. And Drow 
is not on that list. So, Drew, you're going to have to wait about 20 minutes. Then we'll get you. No, Drew and Clay, you're on the block. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. Uh, that's a great introduction there. I appreciate that. Listen, You deserve um, it. SU basketball's at the crossroads right now. You know, it's is it overreacting? Is it being upset? Is it being a fan? The reality is, it's my opinion. And I had a couple of my friends, one of them including Ray and Pat, kind of get at me today and say, you're wrong, support your team. I'm supporting my team. The fact is, I don't think we're that good of a team right now. Do I think we can beat Virginia? Yeah, I do. But I don't think SU is enough in them to get to the NCAA tournament this year. Now, let me let me just state this, though. Mike Hopkins is not the answer. Mike Hopkins is not going to come to Syracuse to coach ever again. It's not going to happen. Put that out there. Jay Wright's not leaving Villanova. Rick Pitino's not going to come coach his team. The sanctions have taken a toll on this team. And this is where we are. Where we, are. we lost Jordan Tucker. We lost Claudia Green. We, we, we had um, Mustafa Dejeuner, who never made it to campus. Uh, the list was on and on and on. B.J. Johnson, Chris McCall leaving. Everything is it's just everything's not good for SU basketball right now. However, next year we have a top-five recruiting class. Before, people want to drive Jim Bam out of town. Let's see what next season brings. And I think Buddy Beheim being here next year is going to help ease Jim Beheim. I really do. I think it's going to be a fresher breath there for Jim. Am I giving up on this team for this season? No. But if you had to ask me right now, as Adam Shine would say, gun to your head, does this team make the tournament? Uh, February 1st, 2018, I say no. I think it'll be close. I don't think we have enough to get to the tournament. Am I overreacting, Brent? I don't know. Uh, what's your take here? Drew, the, o- the, the only thing missing from that rant, and I am close to getting the Syracuse basketball bingo, is you did not say they need to play man-to-man defense. Everything else, though, was just jumbled into that conversation. Dro, take a breath, my friend. Take a breath. I could tell. I could tell your buddies are on you. They're questioning you. By the way, uh, anybody that says support your team, you can criticize your team and support your team at the same time. You know, every family conversation you have is not one with rose petals. Sometimes tough love works and as long as you're there you watch you support the team you know what you're talking about you know what you're discussing everything is fine i'm glad i hope you feel better drill there was a, there was a lot to take in there we're getting talking about jim Beheim and what we're going to do with jim Beheim. it's whoa whoa everybody just whew, take a breath okay now dro hit a number of things there He just pretty much took the entire agenda of the show and packed it into a two-minute phone call, which was great. It was great to hear from Drew, and I forgot to ask him how many kids he has. He's probably up to, like, 17 by now. Did everybody get that, by the way? That was a lot. (laughs) Woo! Try and top that one. See, you got to go with your gut. I don't take phone calls during my monologue often, but I took that call, and there's a lot to take in there. But something Drew said is exactly my point today and that is this it is february 1st this is a basketball team that is now down to seven scholarship players this is a basketball team that we saw last night as jim Beheim says here really struggled on the offensive end not that we needed jim Beheim to tell us this just look at the numbers you watched the game you saw it but here's what the coach said it, it was a bad offensive game when you don't make shots and you got to drive it becomes a hard game you know, we don't run 
set plays to get shots because we can't make them. So we're trying to create some movement and create some drive situations. And uh, the one thing with their two big guys being down there, it's a little harder to get there. But that's the way we have to try to score for the most part. It was a very important thing that Jim said there, and we'll talk to Jim later in the show, of course, in our weekly chat with the head coach presented by Skinny Atlas Jewelry. And the important thing that he said there, when Syracuse basketball struggles and is in a point where they, they kind of start to go off the rails a little bit, Syracuse Twitter, Syracuse Message Board, Syracuse.com live comments thread with Brent Axe every game. Come on by, hang out. Syracuse Sports Talk Radio, you know, all the schmucks, right? Tend to, it's like that scene from Spaceballs. Remember that scene from Spaceballs when everybody just grabs the microphone and is like, do something, right? Jim Beheim, agree or disagree, and I'm not saying you have to completely agree with it, but agree or disagree made, and I'm going to play it again here, made what I thought was an interesting point. In it becomes a hard game. You know, we don't run set plays to get shots because we can't make them. So we're trying to create some movement and create some drive situations. They don't run set plays because they can't make shots. You can run all the plays in the world. You can be the most creative X's and O's master. But if you have a trio of offensive players that are not making shots, the best thing you can do is try and get them as close to the basket as you can. It's not to say you can't try something different, but if they can't even make shots... Well, what are we even doing here? It is the most basic fundamental thing of basketball. And last night, it was a lot worse than it has been this year. And, you know, I, I had the line in my recap that, you know, Syracuse is is like a hippie that never left Woodstock. They're stuck in the 60s. They can't, you know, other than noted exceptions, of course, Florida State and Boston College. And there's a couple blips on the radar screen. But we know what this team is. It's a team that will, they're averaging 68 points per game. They're not going to light the world on fire offensively. They need Tyus Battle to produce. They need Frank Howard to produce. They need O'Shea Brissett to chip in in some form on the offensive end. Last night, your two main offensive guys combined to go 8 of 34. Pascal Chukwu and Barama Sidibe, who had 18 and 16 last game, run into a front court that is, you know, Ben Lammers and is a lot more loaded and is a lot more physical and just could not produce there no one's hitting shots and then you're looking down the bench and there's nobody there to come in and spell you I mean we're talking about no offense to Braden uh, Braden Bayer pardon me but I, I don't think he's going to come in and, and give you what Howard Washington could or you know Bayer is going to come in and all of a sudden you know because Georgia Tech didn't game plan for him going to light the world on fire offensively so you now enter this world of February where you can as Drew brought up in that glorious phone call, you can believe. You can still look, and he slipped it in there. I'm very fluid in Drew, so I understood this. I think they can beat Virginia on Saturday. I share that thought. I have said that for the last week and a half because the one thing Virginia does that they lean on so heavily is they take you out of your comfort zone. Well, Syracuse is playing the exact same way that Virginia normally plays. It's, obviously, there's differences, but the general theme being, you know, 
you're in the weeds with this team, and let's duke it out in the 50s and 60s, rebounding defense, grinded out basketball. Syracuse has done that all year, so Virginia does not have that advantage. The advantage they do have is they've won 13 in a row. They're the best defensive team in the country. They're very patient on offense, and you know they can be frustrating to play in that sense. But no matter what I say today, and I've got a lot more to say and a lot more to get to, and I know you have a lot more to say and a lot more to get to, you have got to make shots. And how frustrating does that have to be from Jim Beheim on down? If you can't make shots, if you shoot 30%, and by the way, the team you played last night shot 33%. You did your job defensively as they have done all year. All you have to be is mediocre offensively. And I say that with no tone of sarcasm in my voice. This, If this was a mediocre offensive team, they scratch out a win like that. And Notre Dame was the same way. It was a 51-49 game. Neither team could shoot. Now, Notre Dame was missing Bonzi Colson and Matt Farrell, but it's one of those games you just kind of have to ugly your way to victory, and they couldn't do that, and they couldn't do it last night. So now you got Virginia on Saturday. You turn around, you play Louisville. We've mentioned how loaded the month of February is. You know this. I know this. We all know this. So you either start looking towards next month, and they're still in this, and nobody's going home and nobody's quitting, or you start saying to yourself, boy, that team next year is pretty loaded, isn't it? I mean, that's the reality of it. And that's where anybody that would question the future of Jim Beheim, which is just stupid to do anyway because you know he's not going anywhere. I mean, And again, the crazies come out when this stuff happens. You would have some, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more with something a national writer tweeted today. You would have some validity in the conversation. If you just looked at the records and you looked at what Syracuse has done the past three years, put aside history, put aside reputation, just say, what is, where is the program? If, and this is a big if, Syracuse did not have an amazing recruiting class coming in next year, and despite some of these flaws and the scholarship restrictions and the sanctions, because... Again, Dro's call was a thing of beauty. He just packed like everything that a Syracuse Sports Talk radio caller says into a two-minute call, and it was glorious. And I say that with all love in my heart because Dro's my boy. Well, this team, I don't think, I think we're starting to come out of those weeds. It's not to say it didn't affect those teams. And, you know, Jordan Tucker made a bad choice. You didn't lose Jordan Tucker. Syracuse was right there to the end. He chose Duke, and now he's transferring to Butler, Right. Quade Green, I don't think Syracuse really ever had a strong chance at him. I know he came down to the final two, but and that was a blow that they didn't get him. But you did get Darius Basley. You did get Jalen Carey. You did get, I mean, Buddy Bayheim. If you don't get Buddy Bayheim, you might as well just hang it up right now, right? But there are how many games left here? And to hear Jim Beheim say it last night about this offensive team. And do we have the clip where he was talking about how many ACC teams there are and at least one team's worse than us? And I mean, that's just the reality of it right now. So let's take a step back and discuss this a little bit more. I'm interested in what somebody on a national level. Do we have that clip, Seth? Are you pulling that up for me? I want to play that clip before we take a break. Because... It's not just hyperbole here. This this is, in some ways, not statistically, but you know, kind of in a eyeball test way. True. Our offense is terrible. It's been terrible all year. It's 
If we're not 14, what, how many teams are in this league? 15? I think we're 14. We're lucky there's one team worse than us offensively. You know, we've had an occasional game or two here and there, but it's not many. It's, it's a struggle for us to score. Again, when you don't make jump shots, you got to get to the basket, and they're good. You know, their Lammers is good down there. He protects the basket pretty well, and you know we didn't get there enough. Certainly, more to come on this. We'll hear from the head coach later. We'll hear from you as we cruise through the afternoon here. Four three seven seventy six forty four to hop on board. Dan Wolken of USA Today tweeted something today that I, I think is you know it's good for talk radio talk. How about that? We will discuss that next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Yeah, well, they got some at the end there, but, you know, we they missed a lot of them. <laughs> we had six opportunities in transition and did not score a point. You can't be any worse than that. We had six two-on-ones or one-on-ones, and we didn't. We charged twice, and we didn't get a shot twice. You can't be any worse than that. That's Jim Beheim, of course. Last night, transition points uh, not there. Points off turnovers, heavily in favor of Georgia Tech. Uh, if you a uh, 14-4 specifically, fast break points 16-7. to There was a few transition opportunities. A lot of offensive opportunities missed there. And, you know, it's one of those things, and I write this column after every game, where, you know, we like to split it up, and we call it, of course, you know, the, the, the sunny side and the dark side. Here's what went well, here's what didn't go well, and then a few other things that you should know. And it really was, I, I nearly waved off the sunny side last night. I thought, despite some defense, defensive deficiencies, which I'll get into here in a moment, you know, I wanted to note that Merrick Dolzhai continues to improve in ACC play. He's got to log huge minutes. Matthew Moyer's not quite ready to come back, and he's doing that. I thought even though O'Shea Brissett, you know, had some plays, didn't really, you know, take over on the offensive end with Tyus and Frank missing so many shots that, you know, he found ways around the defense. He had some key rebounds, a couple defensive plays down the stretch that you had to note. But as I'm going through it, I'm like, man, I'm really nitpicking here. I'm really, like, trying to find a needle in a haystack. There's just some games where nothing goes right, that you didn't get better, that you did not. I mean, last night was one of those nights, nothing went right. You couldn't shoot. Now, that's not fair to say because I thought defensively, other than Tadrick Jackson just finding ways around the zone, you certainly played well enough to go on the road and win. So you can't say nothing went right last night. And Jim tweets me and says, you know, before you praise the defense, remember who they've played so far. And my answer to that is, well, that's who they've played so far. I think here at February 1st, I can say definitively that Syracuse is a good defensive team. They've been a good defensive team consistently throughout the year. That includes Virginia, by the way. That includes some good teams that they've played, both that they've beaten and lost to. I mean, look at who they've played so far. I have looked at who they've played so far. That's a, if you don't think that's, a, by and large, generally a good defensive team, I, I really don't know what you're watching. I really don't. Because just look, Syracuse does not get blown out by anybody. No matter who they've played so far, they do not get blown out. 
They Now, last night they didn't have the steals on the blocks they usually do. But what has kept this team in virtually every game they've played is their defense. So I don't really know how to respond to that other than that's the schedule. Are, are you saying that Virginia is a lot better than St. Bonaventure, that Duke is one of the best teams in the country, that that Louisville and North Carolina, who's slipping a little bit, but is you know still a team that will not be easy to beat, are really good teams in the top 25? Well, yeah, they haven't gotten there yet. So we'll see what happens there. But it's been three months. It's February 1st. I think I could say they're a good defensive team. Do you judge it on on a whole, or do you judge it on you know four games on your schedule? It's fair to say you know if Virginia and Duke and other really good teams in the league kind of expose certain things, then maybe you have to recalibrate that opinion in a way. But I'm pretty comfortable saying this is a good defensive team. Now that being said, it was a pretty telling quote last night. To be fair, is a pretty darn telling quote. I'm going to pull it up while we're yakking about it here. So Jackson, who remember it had 20 points off the bench against Syracuse last year. He's a great bench player for Georgia Tech. He's, I think he went over 1,000 points career scoring last night and came off the bench last night to score 15 points, and a vast majority of them are underneath the basket. And this was a very interesting matchup advantage, which you wouldn't think would be a matchup advantage because Jackson is a 6'2 reserve guard. But he found ways through that zone. Eight of his points during a three-minute flurry, as Mike Waters details here, that kept Syracuse from rallying enough to get back into this game. Now, there's a quote from Jackson here that has to concern you, because if this is a good defensive team, then you, you can't make this mistake this often. Here's the quote from Jackson. I was doing the exact same thing every time. And as Mike writes here, while Syracuse has shut down much bigger players all season, Jackson managed to get open under the basket and get a shot off before SU forwards Merrick Doljai and O'Shea Brissett could arrive. He scored eight of his ten points uh, during a brief outburst. He scored eight of Georgia Tech's ten points, pardon me, during that outburst, the last of which put Georgia Tech up 44-37 with about seven minutes to go in the game. And as Jackson said, why change it up if I was scoring every time? I figured if it worked the first time, it works the second time, why would I go for anything else the third time? It's just not something that was on Syracuse's radar at the time, that a 6-2 guard could keep slipping in there. It's not like it wasn't noticed by the head coach. It's not like it wasn't told to these players. Sometimes it's just not what you're expecting. And in a game like that where offense was hard to come by, that can make all the difference in the world. But as they said on the broadcast, and I'm sure you were saying, watching this thing, as dreadful of an offensive game as that was, they're within two, they're within four, they're within six. It's 55-51. They hit a three-pointer. Okay, this I mean, 35 seconds to go, 25 seconds to go. You're just saying to yourself, something weird could happen here, and I'll, we could be in overtime. Now, there's only so many attaboys you can give a team for that. You have got to score. And again, we're not asking Syracuse to score 80 points a game here. We're just talking grind out 60 points and you're winning games like that. In the take care of business run, right? What did we say? Pitt, BC, Georgia Tech, got to take care of business, got to have them in your back pocket because of how tough February is and the need for signature wins if you're going to stay in the conversation for the tournament. 
Bracketology really starts, whoever your preferred bracketologist is, to take precedent now. As of today, Syracuse is out of pretty much all of them, as they should be if you just judge it on the surface. Now, I brought up this tweet that I wanted to mention here. Dan Wolken writes for USA Today. And we've had Dan on the show before, and I don't always agree with Dan's opinions, but I, I like Dan as a columnist, and I like how much of a straight shooter he is, and he's not afraid to kind of put it out there and take on some institutions. He's one of the most vocal and I think one of the smartest critics on the NCAA, along with Jay Billis, and I like Dan. Dan's helped me out off the air a couple of times when I needed him to kind of lead me down a couple of paths, give me some quotes on some things, so I like Dan. And he tweets this today, hot take, if not for a fluky Final Four run two years ago, the narrative on Jim Beheim would be that he's way past his prime and should retire. A lot of mediocre lately. Now, before you start flying off the handle here, listen to what he said. Listen to what he tweeted. The narrative would be, whether you agree or disagree with said narrative, without that Final Four run, that's what it would be. Because look at it, just remove emotion. Remove history. Remove your emotional attachment to it. Just look at the results. 2015, 18 and 13, not in the postseason, of course, by their own hand. 2016, 19 and 13, Final Four run. I don't think that Final Four run was fluky. There was some things in there that, you know, you just kind of need to go your way in the NCAA tournament. Everybody has a little bit of luck, but Virginia had a 16-point lead, Dan. That's not fluky, okay? Go guard Malachi Richardson and stop him from raining threes down. You see how cocky Virginia was on that sideline? Remember that meme of that guy that's kind of doing the shoulder shrug? That's not a fluke. And the fact that the 2-3 zone consistently in tournament play through the years has confused teams, and it's not like it's a trade secret, that's not a fluke. That's just you can't beat it. So that's where I disagree with that tweet, but to really micromanage this thing the narrative would be he's not wrong about the narrative again whether you agree or disagree with that narrative now here's where dan as a national guy and i'm sure he knows this but and just didn't say it there is a lot of pressure that is starting to build on next year because every syracuse fan is aware of how loaded this team will be next year depth and I'm, that's by all accounts talent recruiting Pure numbers, reinforcements. This is a team that lacks depth right now. Okay? This is a team that is, you know, seven scholarship players, and we're talking about Braden Bayer has to come in and play to spell this team because injuries have just ravaged it. Next year, you have what every coach wants. Too much talent, what do I do with it? What's going to happen, though? And I think we all know this. If you just want to look at it fairly, there's going to be a lot of pressure starting to build on that team because that's the narrative I sense. It's what I wrote about today. I did a podcast about this today. I'm discussing it with you on the radio today. That if this team can't score and can't kind of cure what ails it and gets out of the NCAA tournament conversation maybe earlier than they have in the past couple of years, which might not happen. There's a whole month to go here. Then, okay, well, man, next year, look at that team. Woo! Look how loaded they are. But that's what good teams should have on them. Teams with expectations. Teams that, you know, deal with it year in and year out. That's what you want. That's the kind of program you want to be. The results that I just read off to you, 
don't match the expectation, but you can call it fluky all you want. It's still a freaking Final Four run, right? That's the whole point of this thing. Get in the tournament, and then the tournament allows you the opportunity to straight up beat four teams and get to the Final Four. That's not fluky. And I know Middle Tennessee State beat Michigan State that year. Well, that's the tournament. That's why when you fill out your bracket, and some people do this because they just like to be chalk like this, but that's why when the seeds come out, we do not let the top seeds pass go, collect $200, and go right to the Final Four. They got to earn it. You've got to play. You've got to get out there and beat those teams. Fluky? Middle Tennessee State straight up beat Michigan State, rain in threes, and then Syracuse beat that team. How's that fluky? That's just basketball. So that's where I agree with Dan's tweet. Where I agree with it is take away that Final Four run, and that's the narrative. But now we're into hypotheticals. I can sit here all day and give you hypotheticals. How about we deal with real-life things that have happened? Now, the thing about next year's team I brought up, kind of sort of a hypothetical, but tell me I'm wrong on that. Tell me that if this thing starts to go the way it may, if Syracuse can't score, that it's, I always like to use this analogy, it's putting that water balloon on the faucet and it just grows and it grows and it grows. And by the time we get to next year, people are going to be booking Final Four you know, trips in August. Maybe you've already done that. I don't know. I'm underestimating you. 437-7644. Let's take a break on that note. Certainly can talk SU hoops with you. We're going to do some hot takes coming up next, though. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.